Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ben Speaks. I am your mostly forgettable host, Chris Blakeman, and thanks for sitting down and listening to me. Um, for the record, I just want to remind those that, that do take the time to listen to this. I, I do this off the cuff. I don't take notes. I don't plan. I When something compels me, I want to talk about it. And usually I try to wait until there's about two or three topics that are worth talking about. As of one hour and 20 minutes ago, I really didn't have much to talk about other than the Kyle Rittenhouse case. But now I do. And um, <laughs> I'm actually kind of, uh, you know, kind of excited about it. And here's why. So, um, so an hour and 20 some minutes ago, a young man called me from the, uh, gosh, I wish I could remember the name of this new party that's, that's kicking off in West Virginia. Uh, something about the working families, something or other. And he was, he was trying to, um, get me on board to contact my Senator to, um, to try to push along the resolution that the leftists in Congress are trying to push because there's this little teensy anecdotal part that um, would send some money to the state of West Virginia to um, fix up the plumbing so that kids would stop drinking water from lead pipes. Okay, well, this struck a nerve. As some of you may know, I'm a master plumber, master gas fitter, etc. So I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And we're in a country that we don't need to necessarily compel the federal government, in my humble opinion, to take care of something that is a state issue. Right? So... Young man, Walker is his name. Uh, bright young man, I'll get to that later. Uh, tried to make a compelling point that four people, he, in his words, called it a breakout of kids, four kids, who tested and had um, very high levels of lead in their body. Hey, man, nobody is for that. Nobody is for that. Now, rewind the clock 35 years ago, and I bet you there were a lot of kids who had a lot higher lead levels in their body than these four kids in West by God, Virginia. It's never good, but see, standards and practices, they change throughout the years. In my trade... It wasn't that long ago that lead was pretty freaking acceptable for quite a few aspects of our job. Lead is easy to form. It's extremely malleable. So a lot of your shower pans, the, the pan that sits underneath the tile that you don't see, was formed by plumbers out of sheets of lead because... Lead is very easily formed. You can hammer the shit out of the stuff and it doesn't break because it's malleable. Now, there are uh, 
lots of different ways of using lead pipe. Uh, by and large, you could once upon a time make lead pipes out of well lead, but you, it would be drain pipes. It would be the pipes that you evacuate the water. You don't drink from drains. So the greatest, uh, the greatest concentration of lead pipes in any system is going to be in drain systems. Also, lead is used in solder or was used in solder before we switched it over to antimony and um, chromium, I think. So they call it 95.5, so it's like 95% antimony, which is a type of lead. Um, and it, they're very soft metals that bind um, harder metals together when you weld, okay? So now, over time, that softer lead, it does, it leaches into the water system. You used to find it in water fountains all the time, because the pipe systems in there were so compacted, so tightly bound that that you needed you, you know you needed to use a lower heat level to get these pipes to seal up so that they could hold pressure. So you use something like lead because lead doesn't it doesn't need an extreme heat for the uh, the pipes to you know accept the lead as a sealant. Right, best way I could put that. Now. I had this kid on the ropes pretty early on, and I was pretty combative. And, but I was civil, but combative. I want to give this kid some credit. A 30-year-old kid, and he had conviction, or he thought he had conviction. I went ahead and I, went ahead and I took care of that for him, but he did have conviction. He believed in what he was saying. But what he was saying was everything that I don't agree with. And what I don't agree with is having expansion of government, which would be an expansion of Medicare, expansion of FEMA, or expansion of anything federal government. Because that's how you create a society that is restricted by that very same government. And as we all know, if you go state to state, you've noticed that shall not be infringed has become a uh, let's infringe the fuck out of this. And, um, you know, certain states have very, very bad gun laws because um, government. But that's a state issue, you see. So I tried to compel him that some of these things are state issues. And they're not federal issues. And if you're trying to grow your brand, you know, maybe bite off what you can chew. Trying to go after Manchin, Joe Manchin, to sign on to this multi-trillion dollar resolution that they want to do in the in the um, Congress to to put us on the hook for a few more trillion dollars to, you know, build back better, which is a uh, hat tip to um, Steve Robinson, uh, a builder friend of mine, uh, build back Bolshevik. 
Because this bill will expand Medicaid. Uh, it will expand so many programs that we, we can't continue to have this mindset of, well, we're already so much in debt. What's a little bit more? Okay, well, yeah, the little bit more, eventually you get to the point where you're, you've spent so much money, you've devalued the dollar so much that you simply don't have any more money to spend. We have passed that point. We cannot just look through it as a prism of, well, shit, we're just going to cap and trade everything and, and we're just going to spend into oblivion because we've already spent into oblivion. At some point, the adults in the room have to take a stand and say, my God, what have we done? How are we going to fix this? If any single one of us spent like this, you go to prison for the bankruptcy that you're bringing upon yourself. So, uh, I spent an hour and 20 minutes on the phone with this young man. And we started having a dialogue. And he was wise enough, I don't know if that was the right term to use, but he was open enough to allow me to speak. And then me, because I'm always up for civil discourse, I let him speak. And this guy's a Bernie Sanders supporter. And I'm sure he didn't appreciate that I don't tolerate leftists. I don't tolerate Marxists. I don't suffer fools. But if they want me to try to suffer them and they're willing to listen to why nobody should suffer these fools, well, then you're going to get a heaping helping of Ben Franklin. And this young man took it in stride. I'm giving the kid a hat tip because he deserves a hat tip. Because most kids, and I think he's 30, I'm 46, I think he's 30, he said. Most kids today are ideologues, one way or the other. They don't really know how to engage in civil discourse, but this kid did. In fact, he told me that he wasn't always like this, that he was more of a Republican, which I promptly let him know about halfway through the conversation that I oftentimes say I'm a man without a party because I'm a constitutional conservative. I just happen to vote Republican because those are the people that most closely resemble where I stand. But the, the kid was saying things that are, I believe, emblematic of what this younger generation is. They, I found out that he only makes $15 an hour. And with all due respect to those who make $15 an hour, if you are a man in this world... At 30 years old, and you're making $15 an hour, that's indicative to the fact that you have a job. Not a career. A job. Jobs. Nobody ever says dead-end career, do they? I could probably dig some up. Um, 
but there aren't too many dead-end careers. So when you're of that age and you have a job, it's very, very easy to start pointing the finger and laying blame on society and the wealthy. And you start using terms like pay your fair share and tax. You want to use, they got to tax them, their fares. They got to pay their fair share. And I, I went through the motions of listening to that and I'm squirming in my own boots listening to that, but you know, I guess I can understand why if you restrict yourself to a point where you feel like the only person that can lift you up is the government, well, then now you've just compartmentalized yourself into a tiny little box that will never allow you, unless you break out of that box, to understand your own importance in life. Because you will no longer be considered an individual. And you will no longer understand things like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Because with that sort of mindset, you start to believe in entitlements. Well, I should be doing this. I should be making that. I deserve. What the fuck do you deserve? You deserve what you make. You deserve what you make of it. We, most of the people that listen to this show, understand that life is an ugly place sometimes and you have to put your best foot forward. And sometimes some of it is dumb luck and you just find yourself in the right place at the right time. That's a fucking bonus. But that's not the expectation or the ideal. Usually, those bonuses happen because you've compelled yourself to do something with your life. So as this conversation progressed, I was less adversarial and more, took on a more Ben Franklin point of view. And I like to think of myself as a teacher. I am very good at the things that I do for work, my career, and I enjoy teaching others or enriching others, however you want to paint that. I want people to do the very best that they can, as long as they're willing to put out the effort. I've already proven myself. I've already put out the effort. I still put out the effort. I just don't put out as much effort because I already have the crowns. But I want to see other people do well. So I don't see them as competition. I'm still better than all of them. And that's not arrogance, man. That's just facts. But if they become an asset to me, we all win. So I, I naturally want to help people. I'm a dad. I want my sons to do well. I don't want to be burdened by them. I won't be burdened by them. There will come a cutoff point. Because that is the natural order of things. I want to live my life. I want my money to be my money. 
and to argue with, an, uh, very civilly, argue with a young man who feels like the middle class is big enough in this country to be able to afford those in the lower classes uh, an extra safety net. I got two problems with that. One, we're playing class warfare games. I don't do that. That's Marxism. That's not my bag, baby. I'm not having it. I don't have to tolerate it. I'm not going to tolerate it. Two, don't tread on me. I didn't work my ass off so that the government can steal my money so that people who um, don't have a leg up yet can get more. I didn't get more at 20. I didn't have health insurance at 20. Hell, for the record, thanks to the Affordable Care Act, middle-class people like myself got really royally screwed in that deal. Not only did I get penalized for a great many years, but thank you, Trump, you got rid of it. That $785 penalty that I was paying every year in taxes. So not only are they stealing my taxes, the pittance that I was getting back, they would penalize me because I couldn't afford insurance trying to raise two kids on my own. How in the fuck is that fair? You talk about fair share. I'm finally getting insurance after 12 years. Finally. Let that sink in. The poor people who know if they just stay at the poverty line that will never ever be encouraged to do anything better because if they do, all those programs get cut off. Programs I afford. Programs you afford. This young man I asked him several times where he gets his information from because, unfortunately, the old adage of Ronald Reagan that it's not what he said liberals, I'm going to go with, it's not what leftists, it's not that leftists aren't smart, it's just that what they know is wrong. Well, unfortunately, he's a victim. And I'm not big on victimhood. That's his fault. There are a lot of times when you're a victim, it's your fault. You're a victim of bad information. That's not my fault. But this kid stuck with me. Eventually, it got to the point where we were very cordial with one another. And we went, had a very good back and forth. And as it turns out, he's either very easily compelled or... In my humble opinion, he's a critical thinker that has been fed some very bad information because he was taking my information like a sponge. You know, when I when you hit people with facts, <clears throat> excuse me, when you hit people with facts and you can back them up, there's no argument. There's only acceptance or denial. So, I'm a nerd. I love history. And when I hit them with every single thing that you are bemoaning, 
sounds a lot like 1931 Munich, Germany. When that world over there and the uh, Italians thought the Jews were the problem. When you start compartmentalizing people, when you start making class systems or a caste system, you are now engaging in class warfare. That's Marxism. I directed him towards the book called American Marxism. And if he continues, I gave him my email address because I had mentioned that I have a podcast. And he was very open to the idea of hearing from somebody that's not hyper-Republican. Okay, and I'm not. I don't, it'll be redundant for me to continue to explain that situation to anyone. I'm not hyper-Republican. He's going to wind up listening. And, and I gave him my email address, and he actually asked if I ever took guests. And, and I've never had a guest. that I was a guest one time on another show. And I would do it again because uh, I think Jason's just a, a, a very good personality. And it's good that him and I dissent from one another. And I believe that dissenting voices are great for dialogue. And I would be open to a younger mindset that I could help a self-cultivation. Where I could correct some of the blank spots that might be um, that might be filled with hyperbole or or just falsity um, and if he continues to be my pal I guess you could say he he will at least have something that a lot of other self-proclaimed leftists have and that's the ability to have a civil discourse and to, and to have your mind just open enough that your brain doesn't fall out so that you can think critically. And he even brought up critical thought, which tells me he's not hopelessly lost because the same people 70 years ago that were saying question authority, well, they're the authority now. They don't do that. They're authoritarians, they're statists, they're Marxists. They don't really recognize that because those are bad words to them. But they don't understand that that's where they are in life. And, and, and it was very, 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 very encouraging to hear him say things like, of the people in his political action group, he's one of the types that when they have their their brainstorming meetings, their think tanks, others in his group would have hung up on me. And they would have labeled me a bitter Republican racist, blah, blah, blah. We talked about that. And he said, you know, when, when Trump ran for office is when this racism shit started cranking up and, and, uh, Oh, we all have our prejudices, but my God, I don't think I've ever really truly been called a racist in my entire life. Um, that's going to come as, shock, as a shock to my uh, friends with, you know, better tans. 
than I have. Uh, they're they're really gonna be they're really gonna be uh, surprised when they find out what a racist I am. If we continue to have conversations with people that disagree with us and we are at least able to connect with a dialogue that isn't a trading of barbs and isn't a duel of wits in a way that is deconstructive, you may actually find yourself in a situation where you can be very compelling and change some minds. I would like to remind everyone that there's 330 million roughly people in this country, excluding those who are completely illegal and bereft of any right to be here whatsoever. And every single one of them should be deported. I'm sorry to sound so crass, but you do not belong here. You did not ask your country to emigrate here. You did not ask this country to immigrate here. You don't belong. Aside from that, the one thing that binds us Americans together, it should be pride in our nation, or at least some semblance of Americanism and the ability to have the common sense to understand that we're kind of in this together So it would be a really good idea if we sort of got along on some level. And if we can't, that's fine too. You agree to disagree. But because there's so many of us, if you can make the difference in one person's life, well, that says good things about who you are. And if I can make a difference in one person's life, what's stopping me from making a difference in many people's lives? And that's uh, my little touch of gray on today. So I want to thank you all for taking the time out to listen to me uh, shed some shed some uh, some cheer because that was a good one. I was. Uh, pretty pleased with the way all that turned out and it didn't start out so good so uh god bless you god bless the united states of america and uh thank you for listening to another episode of ben speaks